Well, hello everyone. We are back. It's uh, just Richard and Steve. Just Angela has left us, but uh, in a chapter filled with conflict. Mm. Not <laughs> because we had a fight. She's at a conference. That's right. So we can ask her next week. Hey, what what's the thing that you learned that you want to bring back? Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So oh. we'll, we'll ask her about that. So she's having fun. Yeah. Um, and we this is because we're reading two chapters. We decided to do podcast on each chapter there was so much in chapter 19 we actually had quite a long chat so we're going to have a little bit of a shorter chat through chapter 20 um and i i just said i feel like it's jesus gets into jerusalem mm-hmm. he's interacting with people and you know I, I love the way luke writes you know um all the surprises, all the countercultural things he does, and then he arrives as this king, but a surprising king, and it confuses people. And then his like first act as king that Luke presents is purifying what the temple is for. Mm-hmm. And then the very next thing we get pushback, 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 mm-hmm. pushback, <laughs> um, and it actually crescendos. Like everyone's asking Jesus questions to kind of challenge his authority, to maybe undermine him, um, and it culminates then in Jesus asking a question, and everyone being like, "Yeah, we're we're done. We don't want you to yeah. ask us. So like we're done with questions because uh, your question was really hard." Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of movement in the the character, the dynamics between the characters. You know, um, we have surprise turns to pushback. You know, turn turns to oh, we can't push back. But then it's interesting because it it moves more towards okay, we can't challenge you. We're going to have to try to remove you. Yeah. And so, actually, it does continue to escalate, but it moves into a different phase that's going to move closer and closer mm-hmm. to the cross. Mm-hmm. Well, I love what you said because we've got this unexpected. We've got this because, an- in some ways, we've got this anticipation mm-hmm. for um, Messiah to come. We've had y- hundreds of years <laughs> anticipating, yeah. and you know, all along the way, it's this surprise after surprise after surprise. Now he's in Jerusalem, and it's it really is coming to this crescendo. Yeah. You know, they're welcomed him, but like, hold on a second. That's not what we were expecting yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you have the authority to do all these things? Yeah. What about this issue, this issue, this issue? Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's it's sort of a catalog of different groups a little yeah. bit as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like different, different people, different... Uh, I, get, I don't know. Like, they've got, from their perspective... Mm. they can they perceive mm. oh this is why you're wrong mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. is why you need to be challenged or this is the way to undermine you yeah. um so that, yeah like each different group with a different perspective has a different obstacle between yeah. them and jesus I, I wonder if you know as we get through this as we get through that too that might be something we can take a, away as well because we maybe come with a different um, you know, we have a, cul- a specific cultural lens, specific upbringing history that we bring into that conversation yep. um, that might, uh, it, mine might be different from yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than argue about mine being right, yours being right, maybe just sitting back and going, hold on a second, I think Jesus is probably going to say something that might 
sort of irk both of us. Yeah. Um, and rather than, um, rather than sort of fight that, just yeah. to sit back and let's learn from them. Yeah. You know, what might he be teaching us? Yes. Yeah. A- and it relates to how we interact with others. Yeah. As well. Like I just think about, yeah, we were chatting earlier about apologetics. Yes. Yeah. You know, and how there can be arguments that are valid. Mm-hmm. So that if, if the premises are true, it's impossible for the conclusion to be false. Right. But a valid argument is only going to move someone as far as they're moved by the premises mm-hmm. of the argument. Mm. And so like different people asking different questions with different perspectives um, is it, sort of interesting as sort of a new wave of creativity of writing mm. in apologetics. Because I think there was an explosion of Western evangelical apologetics in the sort of late 80s into the 90s. And for quite a long time, probably for about 25 years, people just got better and better at presenting those arguments. Mm -hmm. But someone woke up at some point in like 2010 or, you know, maybe a bit before actually, and was like, hang on, they're not the questions people are asking. Yeah, And It's an argument for something I'm not interested in and I'm not going to move. It's so interesting. Um, I don't know, it it sparks some humility in ourselves. I think the pride comes out when we see other people. We're like, oh, you don't, why didn't you care about that question? Are you dumb? Yeah. Are you wrong? Are you missing? Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, they just, that might not be one of their levers. Mm-hmm. Like they're not particularly affected by that question. They understand right. it. It just doesn't cause yeah. emotional, spiritual, intellectual angst in a yeah. way that drives them to want to do something about it. Mm. And it's sort of part part of understanding ourselves is understanding the things that move us, maybe being open to having Jesus expand mm-hmm. those, to be more holistic, uh, just understanding that we're very limited. So yeah. it should breed a humility. Yeah. But in interacting with others as priests, you know, that we're, we're this kingdom of priests all trying to connect people to God is not to presume that what's going to move my neighbor is what moved me. Right. So it breeds a lot of listening mm-hmm. and observing, which I like is like that's one of the prominent values of what's made Alpha so successful mm-hmm. is that one of its key values is listening to people. See where they're at. Yeah. I always am just so reminded and we'll see it in in this chapter as well. Jesus meets people where they're at because in this chapter we're going to see these issues mm-hmm. that are they're the hot buttons for these people yeah. right now and they're the areas in how to, let's see how Jesus deals with yeah. them but I just I I think as we are formed more Christ-like just that reminder of Christ comes and meets people where they're at. Yeah. That means I have to really um set my agenda aside my um just my uh just in background thinking aside to try to inhabit maybe where somebody else is is standing yeah. and where they're um what is really important to them yeah i think that's kind of like paul's i became all things to mm. all men yeah you know, that missional yeah. heart that he had to go to figure out how to meet people yeah. um, and build that bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, like your emphasis, and Jesus met people. 
Yeah. Because I will say it's really easy to read this chapter and I do read it this way and mm. I love it. And it's like, you know, Jesus mic drop, boom, you know, yes. walks off stage <laughs> to applause. Mm. Uh, you know, something else comes yeah. up. It is like the comic who has the like one liner zinger yeah. back at that person yeah. in the audience and like mic drop moment. Yeah. Um, but Jesus, his attitude is not to try to shut everyone up. Yeah. He's actually answering their questions in a way that's trying to create, um, I don't know, an ongoing thought, like a, the next, what yeah. the next question should be. Um, mm. It's like all of his answers are actually leading answers to make people think more. And to draw them closer. Yes. So yeah. Jesus, he's, he's not answering solely for the purpose yeah. of um, push, pushing away the challenges to his authority. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about preserving power because right. Jesus is totally secure in his power. Yes. So often, like our answers that that do that actually come from insecurity. Mm-hmm. So he's totally secure, and actually, it's it's really clever how he answers in a way that just like shuts the undermining down, mm. but does it in a way that the underminers left thinking, "Oh, that's right. So why did I think?" Mm-hmm. You know, and it just leaves them with something actually really substantive to think about. Well, and I imagine all the the observers to these conversations, I just imagine them going, scratching their heads all day yeah. long, going, hold on a second. I've got to I've got to think about this a little bit yeah. more because I my thinking I was just approaching this issue from the wrong place. Yes. Yeah. 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 So let's hmm. uh let's, let's take it. them in turn then. So the first one is a challenge to Jesus's authority, a, di- a direct, actually they, the question is phrased, tell us by what authority you do these things or who gave you that mm. authority. And this is, he's cleans out the temple right. and, you know, uh, it's like, what's your place to who do this? Who gives you the right yeah. to do this, yeah. right? Which, you know, I don't know, if it's like someone came in our church and there's something we've just not thought about mm. that's actually really hurting people and they came in and just like interrupted and shut it down, mm. you know, and called you on it, you'd be like, who are you to do? Yeah. So it's a very natural reaction because the chief priests and scribes, they, they're like, well, we're, we're the authority. Right. Like we're actually in charge of this space and yeah. you came in like you're in charge. So yeah. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're not quite sure how to categorize him. Like, are you a teacher rabbi? Mm-hmm. Are you like a teacher miracle worker? Are you a prophet? Mm. It because you read through, especially the uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that you get the recurring question about exactly what kind of figure are you? Who are Jesus? you? Yeah. Often, yeah. 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 So they're not sure because a prophet, they would, be, you know, if it was he, if he was a clear prophet, and they were like, oh, you're a prophet, they had a box for people mm-hmm. doing this kind of thing. Um, mm. So, yeah, they're not sure. <laughs> and it, so then Jesus, he answers them. And it's really interesting because the answer to the question is yes. Are mm-hmm. you a prophet? Yes. Are you a rabbi? Yes. Are you a miracle worker? Yes. yes. Are you a teacher? Yes. Are you some? Are you a messiah figure? Yes. Are you a king? Yeah. Are you a... Mm-hmm. But Jesus never takes one of their labels because they're all a little broken mm-hmm. and actually the holistic view of who he is, he's constantly trying to engender inquisitiveness, mm. I think. And so that, that dynamic is playing mm. out again. And so he answers them with a question and 
it's really clever because he's he it does it does answer the question but if they're willing to think it through it's like i've provided you with the ingredients for the answer to your question but you're going to have to admit some things to yourselves to see the answer and and what you're willing to admit to yourself is going to reveal what you think of me but also something about what you believe about what god's mm, doing mm. about like all of the preaching like the kingdom of john's preaching of the kingdom of god yeah. is coming jesus is preaching the kingdom of god is you know, here. here and um so it's it's really interesting he confronts them with the reality of all the things god's been mm. doing for for years mm. um and says in effect what do you think's going on mm. like what do you actually you know you're you're approaching this as well i'm the authority figure and i'm in charge so i need you to just tell me whether you think you're in charge and the answer is a little bit like well there's been a lot of weird stuff happening guys what do you think what do you, god, think's do you think god's on? up to something yeah you know and so, so it's really interesting and the way he phrases it is actually to ask them about john's baptism and he says hey tell me was the baptism of john from heaven or from man and I, lo I love the way Luke portrays the scene because I sort of imagine them being like, all right, let's huddle up. Can we, can we take five? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly And they right. huddle up. <laughs> they're all that's muttering right, to they each other. Around. Hold on a second, it. we'll be right back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're just like sidebar. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, if we say from heaven, he'll say, why didn't you believe him? So if, if, you, if you admit like, yeah, I think God's up to something, then it's like, what well, do you think I might be a part of God being up to something? Hmm. But if you say, no, it was just for man, then you're sort of saying, no, this is just, it's, this is nothing to do with God. But they didn't want to say that because all the people were convinced God was up to something. Mm. So there was a tension between what others would see. So then the question would become to them, why do you think that? Mm. You know, yeah. and, and how can you think that? And so, yeah, and, and so they, <laughs> I love their answer. It's like, we don't know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is a clear, we decline to answer. <laughs> yeah. Because whichever answer they give would be admitting something. So, and Jesus says, well, I'm, I'm not going to answer you either. Mm. And, and so he leaves, like, the possibility of resolving this tension lies with you guys. And do you, do you, it's, it's so clever. I, I've read this in the past as well, thinking, Hey, you've kind of got the evidence in front of you by all this stuff that John's that's God's been up to. Yeah. The evidence is before you and their answer almost seems to be like we don't want to connect all these dots. And so we're and Jesus's silence on that is you know in some way a also a, a declaration that look you've been given the evidence and if you're choosing to reject that and to come to your own conclusion, there's not much else I can say to you. Like I'm, I'm sort of withdrawing, if you will. I'm gonna remain silent mm -hmm. to you. Um, and so, uh, kind of that call for, you know, what's the type of uh, to recognize Jesus's authority? <laughs> you know, do I want more and more and more evidence? Do I want you know to match a particular line of thinking that i have yeah yeah and like you have fear of what others think yeah. playing out which is yeah. such a massive factor in our culture yeah so it makes me think how easy it is 
to miss the evidence of something that's going yeah. on when that's a dynamic. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a reality there that's a broader yeah. uh, connection. You know, um, just think of those, I don't know, the, the one that comes to mind and it's a little bit loosely connected to this, but it's that sort of, where I really feel like God's up to something and doing something, but I really don't want to go forward and pray with someone because I'm kind of afraid of what people mm, think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, you know, just... Yeah. And how actually, for some people, the being afraid of what people think might turn into a, uh, I just, I don't think God's, I can't mm. see God being up to it. Mm, you know, it may mm-hmm. actually get in the way of seeing something yeah, yeah. that actually is going on. Yeah. Or not being able to tune into something God's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, really interesting dynamics. Yeah, because I, I was in some ways, I, I saw this as this echoes of, remember when he talks to um, Lazarus, uh, or the rich man, who says, hey, yeah. can't you do that? And, goes, and he's basically saying, you've got the evidence, <laughs> the law and the prophet, and you're, you're not going to follow that. You're not going to yeah. follow, um, you're not going to believe if even a man, if someone rises from the dead. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of that, I was, uh, anyway, that's, that's where my head rolls. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jesus, actually, it's like a response. Yeah. He tells a parable. Yeah. And so it's interesting. They've come with a, hey, what you're doing, why are you doing it? Like, we, we're not sure about what you're doing, that it's really the sort of thing you ought to be doing. Right. And this parable is why is, is a sort of well, let me tell you this parable that actually connects to the prophets and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the kind of questions God ha- has of his people about what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking at you guys and what you're doing, and I don't think you should be doing that. Like right. I, I think actually the kind of questioning you're asking me, you should maybe ask yourself because God is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty... Uh, interesting twist, you know, this mm, indictment mm. on um, yeah. on them, and it's it's a picture of uh, a vineyard. So a, the, a guy plants a vineyard, he leases it out to some tenants, and he goes away. So there's this theme again of something being entrusted mm-hmm. to people who've been bought in, mm-hmm. and it's a picture of Israel that yeah. God chose to partner with this group of people. Um, and yeah, entrusted a mission to them, mm-hmm. and like, and how, so how's is that mission bearing fruit? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get this: the time came to sort of find out how it's going, to do an assessment, mm-hmm. right? So this is, uh, and you know, you've got actually. John the Baptist and Jesus, I think, in the frame, but mostly Jesus, just because of John being in yeah. the previous paragraph. But like, God is visiting his people. That's the sort of season we're in of like messianic expectation being ramped up, John being a prophet. It's like, man, God's like after 400 years of not having a prophet, God's back. Yeah. Right? So it's like, and what does he think? Because typically, when God would raise up a prophet, it would be to correct the course in some way. And sometimes it was because of internal things that were going wrong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was because of external things that were going wrong. Um, But it's sort of interesting, the history of the Old Testament, the further you get away from Israel's inception, 
the more the problems became internal mm. and less mm. external mm -hmm. because they just kept losing sight of their purpose. Yeah. Um, and so, and then, and then we have a, like a, an escalating scene. Um, so he sent a servant to the tenants, like one person. So they would give him some fruit of the vineyard. Um, but the tenants beat him and sent him away empty handed. He sent another servant. This one, they beat it and treated shamefully and sent him away empty handed. And he sent a third and this one they wounded and cut. So there's an escalation yeah. of their violence and injustice and oppression towards the people being sent. Mm -hmm. So things are, it's <coughs> a deteriorating situation. And here's the interesting thing, because it's, it's a picture of decline, but then the master of the vineyard escalates his attempt to reach out, mm. connect, and interact with the tenants in the vineyard. Because the next one is like, well, I'll send my son. Yeah. So he risks more because he's putting more effort in. So it's really interesting. I think the usual picture would be of decline and broken relationship and, you know, and then, you know, the relationship was totally sour. They couldn't set any business meetings. So the master just decided to take them to court and sue them. Like in our world, yeah. like that, the yeah. normally okay. the wedge grows on both sides, yeah. you know, and people grow further apart. But this is actually a picture of, on once on the human side of the wedge of the, the Israelites and especially the leaders yeah. who are often held to account for the direction that the, the culture is going, they are in decline. But on the other side of the wedge, on God's side, he actually is pressing in and doing what he can mm. to reach mm. them by sending his son. So mm. it's, a, it's a quite a different picture to the, the sort of breakdown of relationship we used to see. And so you, you see in God's character here as the vineyard owner, the farmers being Israel yeah. in this, they're the tenants. Um, you see just this ongoing patience and, and grace and, and, and like, okay, like I still believe in you i yeah. still want um, yeah yeah to further to opportunity is yeah. laid out for that yeah. reconciliation yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but then it's interesting the insight into their heart but when they see that it's the son instead of respecting him they're like this is the heir if we kill him the inheritance will be ours mm -hmm. so basically basically um what we want is this for ourselves. Mm, mm. Although we're tenant farmers, we're supposed to have this relationship mm, with the master. Mm. We don't want that relationship. Mm. We want autonomy. We want the power and authority, and we want this to be about us. Um, and so, and, and that's, that's the sort of moment where the crowd would be like, <gasps> You know, this is like the bad guys yeah. have just done the, the really bad thing. Yeah. And it's a yeah. sort of shock factor. And and Jesus, he sort of pronounces the very obvious reality of like what justice will look like. Well, what's going to happen? Well, the owner of the vineyard will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard mm. to others. Yeah. So you have Oof. the, like they want it for themselves. But the end of this is like, no, the master of the vineyard is like. It's his vineyard. It's his vineyard. Yeah. So the way this is going to end is they will actually end up losing everything yeah. and what they lose will be given to others. And in, and in terms of like these religious leaders and the Israelites, like 
one of the things that's become broken is Israel was set on this mission of being a kind of exclusive group that was different to the nations around mm -hmm. them, but with a permeable membrane where mm -hmm. it was supposed to, by osmosis, like attract draw people to God people and draw in. people in. And the the boundary of God's people would move away from like mm. being a, a, like um, a hereditary Israelite by by DNA to being a part of the culture of following mm. Yahweh. So it was supposed to be something that was moving out. So but in, what happened is it, it it turned the other way and become more and more exclusive. Mm, mm, mm. And actually, the the movement across that boundary was to push people out of it and yeah. exclude people from it, rather than reach people through it. Rather than and I, I hearken back to that notion of you know his promise to Abraham to be a you're blessed to be a blessing yeah. to others. And, and we'll see Paul, you know, sort of pick up on, on that, the ingrafting yes. of the Gentiles, you know, et cetera. Like that was God's model is you people are going to help bless others. Yeah. You're going to be my instrument yeah. to go expand, to go beyond yeah. you, but... Yeah. And for okay. these leaders, okay. the idea of it being given to others was the worst case scenario. Oh, yeah. Because they were the they were the people no yeah. one else could be trusted. There are no others this can be yeah. given to. So that's a sort of shock to them that there are others that it can be given mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. That God actually God can use other people. Yeah. You know, and we're and we'll see that play out in the book of Acts oh. then and in the letters of Paul, where a lot of these Jewish leaders and Judaizers are sort of upset yeah because like no the whole point of jewishness is to like keep people out mm. like bringing the gentiles in is destroying the mission mm. and jesus is like no bringing the gentiles in is the mission is the mission and so this mm. is is a mm. massive indictment on the like bad at the wrong attitude of the leaders and the sort of dark place they're in and the wrong things they've done and that they they misunderstood they've yeah. got the wrong end of the stick and they basically come back with, no, that can't be. God forbid yeah. that happens. I can't, because they see that in this parable. Yeah. And then he goes on further. Yeah, and he, he quotes, uh, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So that's a sort of prophetic foretelling of like part mm -hmm. of the dynamic of God's establishing his kingdom mm. is actually... The, the one who's the way the kingdom gets established is through someone who's actually going to be rejected mm. and someone who they thought had no place would actually become the most important person in the mm. building. Mm. Um, and so he's, he's showing them that the thing he's saying about the surprise of this being different than they think is something that God has given them clues about. He's told them about already. So it's like God's primed you that you should rethink. Yeah. Well, I think so about... Actually, he's reaching out through it, this. And even his, their initial question, hey, who's authority? Who's given you authority? Mm -hmm. He's kind of coming back and through this parable and through quoting scripture yeah. as well. He's saying, it's pretty clear <laughs> yeah. um, whose authority this is, and and you've got it wrong. Yeah. And, and then the... 
like the uh, the master being undeterred. Yeah. Like the master, it's not it's the master of vineyard. The master was going to win. Like yeah. justice will be done here. He using the analogy of the stone. Mm. He says, you know, anyone who falls on the stone will be broken. So you can you can run at me with your challenges, but it's going to be like running into a brick wall. Yeah. And there's going to be a time when actually this stone goes on the offensive to like like to move forward the mission the the space for you to be inquisitive test me wonder about Mm. me and figure out who i am it's going to get to a stage where you're in the way of what the stone wants to Mm. do and the stone's going to roll forward and if you're in the way it's going to crush you Mm. so Mm. it just it reinforces this idea of like you can want what you want but it's it's going to happen the way god's going to do it yeah um so just leaving them in no illusion and it's interesting then, you know, the scribes, the chief priests wanted to lay hands on him because they perceived he told this parable against them, mm-hmm. but they feared the people. Again, so again, that again. fear of people thing comes yeah. up. So they, so then what do they do? They try to, they, they try a different tactic. Yeah. So right? now it's so like, we can't challenge, let's yeah. undermine. Yeah. So they're going to gaslight Jesus, mm-hmm. basically. It's like, mm-hmm. this is their next strategy. So they send spies to pretend to be sincere, to try and catch him, because what they want is a pretense, some reason yeah. to be able to lay hands on him where they can say to the people, he said this. Yeah. And the people be like, oh, oh, well, fine. Like, arre- you know, arrest him. Like, now yeah, we've got a reason. Yeah. 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 What's the reason? And, and I love this. So one of the questions they ask him, um, and, and it, we get one uh, here. Well, actually, we get the Sadducees with another. Mm-hmm. But um, there were probably lots. Yes. Um, so this is a sort of season Jesus is in here for, I don't know, a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they um, ask him, uh, and uh, just just the like false sincerity in yeah. here. Like, oh, teacher, we know you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, mm. you know, but truly teach the way of God. Blech. Right. Here's the question, though. Is it lawful law for us? Oh, goodness. Lawful. Is it, thank you, for us to pay taxes to Caesar? Yeah. It's been a long morning. We're recording. It's like 1130. <laughs> it's like, saying the word lawful should not be a problem. That's right. Um, yes. I promise you, no whiskey is being consumed mm. in this podcast. That's, yeah, just tiredness. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. that's the question. And this is a loaded question because paying taxes to Caesar was sort of giving in to the fact that although you were an Israelite, you're being ruled by mm. Rome, which is not the way things are supposed to be. Um, so it's like, a, an, a, I don't know, an acceptance that something is wrong. Mm. So you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. But also, well, legally, you're required right. to pay taxes to Caesar and you could build a case from the Old Testament that like, yeah, you know, in seasons where God is judging, you know, that those times of yeah. exodus when things are not right, being a, like participating in the culture of of the exodus culture, mm-hmm. like when they were in Babylon, God was like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. be a blessing to the city. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't here. Like whichever answer you give, if you say yes you're going to upset there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are like oh well that you can't say that 
But if you say no, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are like, what, no, you can't say that. That's right. And a little bit of like, uh, who do you want to annoy more here? Like the people on the side of like, well, I don't mind the Romans so much or I've got this idea of, you know, we're in a season of Exodus or do you want to annoy more the people that are resisting Roman rule? And, you know, so he sort of caught between... A you, rock and a hard place. Do you think also not just the political rule of Rome, but do you think this notion of Caesar in particular? Because right, this was Caesar. It was essentially claimed to be, you know, effectively God for yeah. the Romans as yeah. well. So is this also especially later on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there was definitely spiritual tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But this so. So kind of they're trying to trap them in both here. Yeah, you know? and that's it. They're trying to come up with a question to which there's no right answer. Right, right. This is the kind of like, well, can God create a mountain <laughs> that he cannot move? That's right. You know, which is an interesting one to unpack. Mm-hmm. We can do time. that. That's another, because uh, we'll get distracted. Yeah, we'll that. get distracted. But it's, it's sort of that style of questioning. Yeah. And I, I love Jesus' answer oh, because so... he he perceived their craftiness. You yeah. know, craftiness is not a word we use enough. Yeah. yeah. See, I my uh, I think my I'm in the NIV and it says he saw through their duplicity. That's and, good as well. Right? Yeah. It's just that Soulful. craftiness yeah. or or duplicity. He's clearly gone. I just see him shaking his head with this little, you know, like. You're not going to pull one over on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got this, <laughs> is what he's saying. And so, so, so he says, show me a denarius, which mm. is the Roman coin throughout mm. the whole empire. Okay, show, show it to me. Whose head and inscription is on it? Mm. Mm. Caesar's. And he says, then, I don't know if NIV's got this. Mine says render, which is another render unto Caesar. So very yeah. old-fashioned language. But basically, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God. The mm. things that are God's. Yeah, it's like from your perspective, you've made this coin the marker of yeah. whether you're like pro God or pro Rome. Mm. But actually, it's the wrong marker. Yeah, like this, this, it, and it just shows like you and a little bit of like your value on money mm. has led you to misperceive what matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's he, he gives them an answer, but it's. It's not the yes or no answer they wanted um, because it, to give to Caesar the things that Caesar's and to God the things that are God's is actually still a question because it's like, well, which things are God's and which things right. are Caesar's? Clearly the denarius is Caesar's, but what's God's? Hmm. So actually the only way for them to resolve the tension is to answer the second half of that question, like, well, what should I be giving to God? Yeah. So it's it's really clever because he sort of settles like you guys you, the whole direction you're approaching this from so is how, wrong, and that's what's creating you thinking you've got me between a rock and a hard yeah. place. Is you don't see that actually the the boundaries, the margins creating this tension for you, are false. You know they're yeah. they're constructed because your values are in the wrong place. Yeah. In your the language in yours in verse twenty four, it really helps me as I look at the NIV because it says whose image and inscription yes. are on there versus I think you said whose head is on here. I I, I was 
actually paraphrasing. Oh. Well, to, the to, reason I like that the image, image is, is that's so helpful is that, like, I just go back to yes. who are we created in, and, yeah. and the, hey, what are the two greatest commandments? You know, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, yeah. all your mind, this notion of you're, you're an image bearer, your wholeness, and that's what we... Yeah. He's calling us, you need to give yeah. me your heart. And actually the inscription part as well. Yeah. So you're car- carrying around with you all the time and valuing an inscription to do with one thing. Yeah. And actually the inscriptions that God talked about was to inscribe the law on, on your, your doorposts yeah. and on the hems of your garments and yeah. on your heart. Yeah. And so yeah. these are both loaded words here that yeah. Luke is using. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. good. That's, that's really helpful. Like just to put that real focus on your val- uh, yeah. what's valued yeah. here. Yeah. Good. And so now we get like a ding, ding, round one's over, scorecards <laughs> hold up. It's like Jesus won, leaders nil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then ding, ding, round two. Um, and the Sadducees rock up, which is another group of leaders. So in- I, I sort of see him saying Step aside. We got this. Yeah, this now. is like this is like tag team wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay, I'll I'll take them. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, different. You have different groups of leaders hmm. with slightly different traditions, and it actually breaks down. We see a little bit of it um, in the New Testament, even of different rabbinical schools hmm. with hmm. different views on different things. Um, and so the Sadducees are another like subgroup of. Uh, Religious authority figures. Um, okay, different in, from in the Israel. Pharisees. What, what's one of the? And I'm assuming this issue um, around resurrection, especially, is something yeah, they, that differentiated. Them. They didn't believe in a, a physical resurrection. Okay, so they thought that was a misinterpretation. And they think they're going to prove it here. In a way, is that what they're? Yeah, I. Uh, it's. I, I, again, it's a little bit of like they they want to prove themselves right, right. But they already think they're right. It's yeah. more of a we're right about this, and we're going to trap. You. So this actually puts you in between the rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. Of whatever you answer here, you're going to make yourself look silly. Okay. Um, yeah, and so. Uh, this really is like the can God create a mountain that's too yeah. heavy for God to lift? Sort right. of question. Um, very similar. Um, and so, uh, but again, there's the kind of the craftiness, the duplicity mm. of like starting with, um, oh, teacher, Moses said this, you know, yes. so uh, appealing, like making it sound like it's just this oh, genuine. Oh, this is just an uh, honest well, yeah, let's question. Just talk about what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah Moses, uh, you know, wrote this uh, law and it, it was at a time when Israel was expanding and they needed rules for um, like the connection between family heritage and the parts of the land mm. was a really intimate connection. So they needed rules for what happens if like a family line gets cut off. Does then that part of the fa- branch of the family's mm. connection to that part of the land get cut off? Okay. So it was a kind of just the, the way things worked they ended up having a practical problem. Mm. And so God gave them guidance and said, you know, if um, a man's brother dies and he has a wife but no children, then the brother must take the widow and uh, basically marry her and raise up offspring for his brother. And so then 
the offspring of that would would sort of repopulate that branch that got cut. Got so cut we're off. trying to keep an heir within the family. Yeah, is what. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, uh, totally weird for us. We yeah. don't we don't have this problem. We don't have these connect. This dynamic just doesn't play out for us at all. But gotcha. for them. This is like a life problem. And now this is then the... The absurdity yeah. of the question. Goes no, <laughs> there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, died, no children. So the second one was like, okay, my turn, yeah. no children. Third one, my turn, no children. Yeah. So all seven brothers marry yeah. this woman. Um, and you also get little undertones here of like the woman, the, the woman's only identity in this story mm. is as the wife of which man. Mm-hmm. Like there's just... It is revealing of the sort of misogyny of yeah. the worldview at this time as well. Um, and so they're like, okay, so then the resurrection is going to happen. Whose wife will she be? Yeah. <laughs> Which, if the, the way things work is that, you know, you're resurrected in the same into the same life the same dynamics the same relationships like if your identity in the resurrection is not like if anna's identity in the resurrection is not anna like child of the most high with all of these things about a story Mm. but husband of richard then we there's an absurdity yeah it's like well she you know like who does she get reconnected to Mm -hmm. in the resurrection because they kind of think of the resurrection as a return to the earthly dynamics um which for us seems strange because yeah jesus and paul tell us a little bit more about the resurrection so we filled in a little bit of the picture like no the resurrection is into a different era of of uh actually that would be a good thing to unpack sometimes because i think people get caught sometimes between is it like back to earth but we're gonna live forever is it sitting on the clouds with harps, like the classic yeah, yeah. cartoon picture exactly. of heaven? And it's like, no, it's a redeemed, but it's actually in between. But that's so, a that's a topic for another day. Yeah, so he's doing two things here in his answer then. He, yeah, he's yeah. correcting their view of yeah. resurrection. And, yeah. and commenting on this logic, yeah. <laughs> this absurdity and, and logic. And once, that once again, have. answering in a way that, make, that gives them something to think about. Hmm. Yeah. And so he, he uh, the corrective, he says, hey, the sons of this age marry in and given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to, the, to that age, to the resurrection, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So the institution of marriage and the way that works in this age is not the way those dynamics yeah. work in the next age. It's going to be different. And, and even the undertones of those who are considered worthy. So you guys just don't believe in a resurrection at all, right? So if you don't believe in the resurrection and the way I start talking to you about it is like, hey, you know, but for those who are considered worthy mm-hmm. of attaining to the resurrection, yeah. it's like that. I'm, I'm so the undertone is not you don't believe it's real, but you just don't think it's for you. Almost, ah. you know. So okay. The undertones okay. of the language here are, yeah. are kind of interesting. Um, so he says, like you, you're confused, yeah. Um, and they can't die anymore, and they're going to be like the angels, as the sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Um, and and it's sort of, but part of his answer, then he talks about the way that God is talked about in relationship to Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob to the patriarchs, that the relationship he has with the patriarchs is always in the present tense. Yeah. And so what Jesus does is like, you brought up Moses to create a problem, but I'm going to answer and bring up the Torah in a way that shows you the whole language of the Torah is laden with this idea that God's relationship to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is, is an enduring one. Yeah. So what, like, so basically, you know, if, if Richard was answering this question, the next sentence would be, "So stick that in your pipe and smoke it." <laughs> like, <laughs> but that, you know, that's the passive. Well, not even passive aggressive. Yeah. That's the aggressive way of saying it. Yes. But Jesus is, he's, he's like, you need to think about this. Yeah. Like you've got the wrong view of resurrection, and the wrong view has led you to think there's a problem, which is why you're rejecting yeah. resurrection. But actually, look, there's some evidence here that means you really ought to be thinking about the resurrection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you ought to be thinking about it, especially because the question is, are you worthy of it? Okay, okay. So, Which is where the undertones then join up with the second part of the answer. And so you can sort of imagine the mindful Sadducee walking away thinking, oh, like, I... It, was sort of trapped in my perspective into thinking I had reasons to reject something, but actually I, I don't. Right. And actually there's something I've missed that I ought to be thinking about. Yeah. I've got to go back. Yeah. Scratching my head. Yeah. And so once again, Jesus is answering in a way that actually sends people away with something to think about. And if they think about it well, it should draw them closer to God. But if they think about it poorly, it should make clearer to them the ways that they are separating themselves from God. Yeah. And that I, either way, that's like a good, a good thing that's happening. Well, I think sometimes, gosh, it, like if I look at my life or some of these in questions we have, how often are we so um, determined to sort of win an argument almost at the expense of, un, of somebody else losing Mm-hmm. You know, and, and losing face, perhaps. And Jesus yeah. isn't doing that at yeah. all. He he's making his point, um, and I love what you said. He's he's pointing out. He he's drawing them to the conclusion of I've been thinking about this wrong, yeah. And I'm gonna go think about it more. I I have to contemplate what you think because maybe that will change me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and I don't do that enough. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and, I, and I actually, want to prove I my point. There's a sense in which we might look at Jesus' answers and be like, whoa, you risked a lot yeah. with the amount that you sent, the openness with which you yeah. sent them away to think about stuff. Yeah. But Jesus keeps doing this. Yeah. And, and I think we can learn from Jesus' wisdom in doing this. Mm. And you're right, it's not typically how we interact with each other. Mm, mm. Um, and especially Christians yeah. can be, I don't know, risk averse in the kind of like how long the leash is that mm, we want to mm. allow people with the questions for them to to wonder and mm-hmm. think about things we want to be more directive what we want to do is to kind of appeal to authority and, and not all of us but culturally there's been a predominance of wanting to leverage authority to sort of force you mm. to change the way you think uh, and Jesus's method is actually he interacts with the, the scriptures mm-hmm. and authority and to God's actions and the evidence of what God's mm. doing as authority, mm. but he does it in a much subtler way. Um, 
So I, I think especially in a Christian culture, we've tended to appeal to the cultural authority of the Bible. You know, yeah, and that's oh, yeah. A, that's, that's a changing so thing as we move into a more post-Christian yeah. secularized culture. Yeah, but anyway, like then Jesus, uh, like ding, yeah, Jesus, two nil, two nil, in ding, this. <laughs> round three. Jesus it's is always like, going right, to be that. My turn. I've got a question for you guys. <laughs> yeah, okay. And this is uh, it makes sense, but maybe a little subtly. He he asked them a question because uh, it, it was clear from the. Um, prophecies throughout uh, the book of Psalms and also the things spoken to King David um, uh, through the prophets as well, uh, that the Messiah was going to come from David. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Messiah is sort of in the pecking order. The Messiah is like the top dog. He's the top of the pyramid, right? But being someone's son, the father was always elevated in the pecking order above the son, the elder, you had more. And so uh, Jesus just points out the language of the way that this is talked about. It's like, well, the Christ, the Messiah, is David's son. And David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So David calls him Lord. But how, like, it would be wrong for Mm -hmm. David to call his son, like, yeah. Yes. the, The son, like... The, it's like the wrong direction in the right, lineage. Right. David can call his father Lord, mm-hmm. but David can't call his son Lord. Mm. And so, a, again, it's a kind of like you've got an idea about what makes someone a Lord, which creates for you the kind of can God create a mountain greater mm-hmm. than he cannot lift mm-hmm. question. Well, wh- <laughs> And is this the same? Uh, is it seems like this is another way of getting across this point as he just talked about this um you know he is not God of the dead but of the living he, only he's looking at it from yep. a different perspective he's coming at it from a different side he's yeah. saying this is who you are in resurrection now he's talking about he's he's describing it seems to be um you know illuminating the nature of you've been thinking about messiah wrong yeah. as yeah. well um, as if he's this, as if kind of reminding you that Messiah is eternal <laughs> and he is Lord, even yeah. though he's a, in the lineage, the son of David. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, just like they. So again, Jesus, he's not, this isn't like a passive aggressive, I'm mm. going to make you look stupid. Right. Um, but it's a. I, I don't know, almost as if, the because Jesus probably could have told them all sorts of different questions at this point to make them think. This I think this is one among many of things hmm. he could have said. But it's almost like, hey, you're posturing yourself to me to, to, cha- to there's a lot of pride. You think you're right, so you want to challenge. And when you've questioned me, I've actually shown you, you maybe need to dial the back the pride, mm. be a bit more spiritually and intellectually inquisitive about what you might be missing. And if you want to keep up the questioning game, I'll ask you questions to reveal to you even further that mm. you in your pride are missing some stuff and it's blocking you from seeing some of the things that God's actually revealed. And so I think it's almost like Jesus is backing them into a corner of having to confront that mm. reality. 
which and that's like that's a lesson right for us not sure. not just for them in their situation of like wow there's something a propensity in broken humans in our pride to think that there's an issue or a question or like a, a way things fit together that like that locks something out mm-hmm. that the you know or, or makes us miss something and just realizing about ourselves how easy it seems to be to do that should breed in us the kind of desire for humility and inquisitiveness to ask God to sh- show us the things we're missing. I, I don't know. I think there's especially that connection between um, knowledge and technology has bred in the West this idea that we of all generations now know more and are right, less prone right. to mistake and like less naive than our forefathers mm, mm. and actually it couldn't be further from the truth <laughs> so, yeah. so this i think there's a there's a sort of meta lesson here that is really good for us in our generation in our culture gosh it, um like as you're talking about that and the my my mind goes back as well to think about when joshua's entering jericho mm-hmm. um it, um and you know, he meets the general of the army of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? He says, whose side are you on? And yeah. he bas- because that's, uh, are you on us or the, uh, yeah. my side or yeah. their side? And it's kind of the same thing. Like, you've kind of got the wrong question. You've thinking, you're thinking yeah. about me in the wrong manner. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, that's what I see happening here, that, that lesson of, gosh, you're just missing things because you're so stuck in these particular sort of these, you know, almost these, uh, this dichotomy of choices that's just, you've missed something fundamentally that's taken you there and I need to. And it's a good, I think it's a good practice. Like we teach this in philosophy classes. Mm -hmm. Like if you're on the horns of a dilemma between option A and option B and you're like, but something's definitely wrong. Like option A and option B are both bad. They're both wrong then figure out whether you're missing mystery option C yeah. or whether the thing that you feel like is forcing you to A or B is actually wrong. Yeah. But to have that sort of it, I don't know, it takes an ability to kind of step back, mm. reassess. Mm. And so, yeah, there's a good practice of humility yeah. to learn from these people That's really uh, in these situations. And then I think that like the last little bit of chapter 20 so clearly belongs in chapter 21 and it's just a few verses i think we should do that next week okay (laughs) because it's really going to tee up the widow's offering which is a beautiful moment so we'll we'll leave these people wondering that's right and and then actually feel free to read ahead yeah Yeah. (laughs) what happens next relates to it but we'll we'll pick it up next time yeah Yeah. wonderful so there you go loads to read this week have fun processing and yeah hope you're enjoying Luke, I'm sort of we'll sa- see Luke's on one of Sundays. my favorite favorite books yeah. in the Bible. So I'm sort of this sad has been as we get I, near to the end. Yeah, but I tell you, um, uh, I I just keep reiterating, like going through this again, like this in the way we have. There's uh, there there were days where I was going through this and I'm going, wait a second, have I read this before? Yeah, <laughs> because it's just come alive in a very different way to me yeah. and so i just and you know what in like five years time we'll do yeah. luke again yeah and it'll happen it'll again. be different there's so much more to see yeah. all the time yeah yeah well hopefully keep reading 
We encourage you guys to do so. Yeah, amen. Amen.